sound is a universally recognized way to connect with others, not just by words, but through song and music, body sounds like clapping or snapping fingers, and non-lexical sounds such as a sniffle, sigh, sh -sh -sh, or snoring. Sound can be a form of communication even in sub-audible ways below 20 hertz, through silence or pauses, or vibrations like the feeling of blood coursing through our veins and the rhythm of our breath. This is Lori Booth. In today's episode, we will explore sound and vibration as a form of genuine human connection with other people. Connecting with people involves an exchange of information. Information which can be exchanged in a thousand different ways, from the simple and remote to the complex and involved, from a handshake to a PhD dissertation, from a smile to a philosophical debate, from a clothing style to a political movement. Connection involves communicating something about yourself, your status, your role, your expectations, or communicating your observations of the world, how you see it, its significance or impact, or your observations about the other person, relationship, needs, fears, curiosity. But without an exchange of information, in a total vacuum with zero communication, how can connection transpire? All methods of communication are differing forms of language. There is language in art. There is language in hand-arm gesticulation. There is language in facial expression. There is language in anything that conveys information. Musician Victor Wooten talks about learning music the way we learn our native spoken tongue. Music is a language because if you think about your first language, for me and probably most of us here, it might be English, so I'm just going to go with English. If you think about how you learned it, you realize you weren't taught it. People just spoke to you. But the coolest thing is, this is where it gets interested. interesting is you were allowed to speak back. Now, if I take the music example, in, in most cases, our beginners are not allowed to play with the, the, the better people. You're stuck in the beginning class. You have to remain there a few years until you elevate until the you know, intermediate and then advanced. And after you graduate the advanced class, you still have to go out and pay a lot of dues. But with language, to use a musical term, even as a baby, you're jamming with professionals all the time to the point that you don't even know you're a beginner. When a teacher teaches you a new word in English, she has you put it into a sentence in the context right away. A music teacher will tell you to go practice it, right? Practicing works, but it's a slower process than putting it into context. And we know that with English. So my brother somehow knew I was born musical, but they wanted me to be a bass player. So when I was old enough, they put a toy in my hands and they would play. So I would just bounce up and down and strum along too. But the coolest thing about it, again, is it wasn't about the instrument. I was learning to play music, not an instrument. And I continue that hopefully today. Again, what I did know was I knew what it meant when my brother opened up his hi-hat at the end of a four-bar phrase, 
or I learned these phrases versus that phrase. The same way a baby knows what it means when the mother raises the pitch of her voice versus the father lowering the pitch of his. You know these things, and even though you may not even understand what the word means. And so you're learning all these things. By the time a baby can speak a real word, they know already a lot about the language. So I was learning music the same way. By the time I had an instrument in my hands, I was already very musical. Music is, as Wooten said, a universal language. Only the style of music changes from culture to culture, era to era, except one. You're born musical. Just listen to any, anybody's voice. Listen to any child's voice. There's no more pure music than that. Our own bodies produce sound. The human voice is our primary recognition of language carried through sound. We speak our words and convey information. But how much information is conveyed through our voice that is not the result of the words we speak? MIT voice researcher Rebecca Kleinberger says a lot. There is more carried in our voice than we would ever know. Listening to very specific type of uh, turbulences and non-linearity of the voice can help predict very early stages of Parkinson, just through a phone call. Listening to the breathiness of the voice can help detect heart disease. Um, and we also know that the changes of tempo inside individual words is a very good marker of depression. Your voice is also very linked with your hormone levels. Third parties listening to female voices were able to very accurately place the speaker on their menstrual cycle, just with acoustic informations. And now with technologies listening to us all the time, Alexa from Amazon Echo might be able to predict if you're pregnant even before you know it. So think about it. <laughs> think about the ethical application of that. Certainly we are not conscious of producing this information in our voice, yet researchers show evidence to support it is there. Perhaps the key to understanding how this information is conveyed is that our bodies produce sounds on a sub-audible level we can just label as vibrations. Everything is composed of vibrations at the subatomic level. The atoms our bodies are composed of are made out of neutrons, protons, and electrons. But what are they made out of? Quantum theorist Michio Kaku. We are nothing but melodies. We are nothing but cosmic music played out on vibrating strings and membranes, obeying the laws of physics, which is nothing but the laws of harmony of vibrating strings. Current research supports the evidential claims that vibrations are the makeup of the universe and everything therein. Vibrations occur on the subatomic level at super high frequency, unobservable by the eye, and they occur at large scale by way of strings on an instrument that vibrate at low frequencies, meaning their oscillations can be seen by the eye to move back and forth. Even ocean waves have a regular frequency. Sound and communication expert Julian Treasure. This is surf. It has a frequency of roughly 12 cycles per minute. Most people find that very soothing, and interestingly, 12 cycles per minute is roughly the frequency of the breathing of a sleeping human. So it's a deep resonance with being at rest. We also associate it with being stress-free and on holiday. Not everything that is measured by frequencies is, by my definition, a vibration. Vibration, in this essay, specifically means the rhythmic movement of matter, atoms and what they are made of included, some things, such as electromagnetic waves, 
radio, microwaves, gamma radiation, have the property of frequency measured in hertz, but are not by my definition vibration. To use an analogy, in baking, we can use measuring tools to portion out our liquids, one cup of milk, one tablespoon of oil. We can use those same measuring tools to portion out solids, one cup of sugar, one tablespoon of cinnamon. Volume is a property of both, but that doesn't mean sugar is a liquid nor oil a solid simply because we use the same tool to measure them. Likewise, Hertz is a tool used to measure the property of frequency within a wave. Electromagnetic waves have an oscillation that makes them a wave, but they aren't matter that moves back and forth like a cello string. Therefore, in this essay, electromagnetic waves, gravitational waves, and other non-mechanical waves do not possess the property of vibrations as I define it here. Also, you will often hear about brain waves. Neurons firing in the brain can be diagrammed to form a wave pattern, one that is notably jagged and not the smooth oscillations associated with mechanical vibration. These chemical electric pulses are often translated into a popping sound by scientific instruments so as to be heard by our ears, but without mechanical aid are inaudible. Because they don't manifest the mechanical properties of vibration, I am also going to place brainwaves outside the parameters of vibration, although they rightly belong in a third category. I will talk about sound and brainwaves in the next episode of Genuine Human Connection. Audible vibrations can occur at higher frequencies, which means their waves vibrate very quickly, at 2,000 oscillations per second, or 2,000 hertz. These can be found in bird song or fire alarm chirps. But at too high a frequency, above 20,000 hertz, human ears stop being able to pick them up, even though they still exist. Similar to ultraviolet radiation from the sun, which we can't see, but can feel the effects of after getting a sunburn. These sounds are found in dog whistles, ultrasounds, and bat signals. On the other end of the spectrum are lower frequencies that vibrate very slowly, at the rate of 100 oscillations per second, or 100 hertz, found in whale song and huge church pipe organs. Below 20 hertz, though, human ears stop being able to consciously perceive them, such as background seismic activity. However, these subaudible vibrations, too, affect the human body. An interesting example comes from the reports of engineer Vic Tandy, who worked with infrasonic instruments in the 1980s. Co-workers and students frequently joked that his laboratory was haunted because of their untraceable feelings of unease when working in his environment. Tandy himself reported an incident one day in which he saw a gray apparition in his lab out of the corner of his eye that disappeared when he turned to look directly at it. Others reported seeing similar phenomenon. Many intelligent people being able to corroborate the same phenomenon would suggest proof of something outside their own make-believe. But proof of what is the question? Disembodied spirits? With further experiments produced since then of infrasonic vibration directed at human bodies, it was found that at subliminal levels, human bodies are subject to symptoms of, quote, discomfort, dizziness, blurred vision, 
by vibrating your eyeballs, hyperventilation and fear possibly leading to panic attacks, end quote. In this instance, it was ruled out that a dead human was communicating with members in the lab and rather the members themselves unknowingly communicating with themselves and each other. But infrasound is a viable method of communication. For instance, my cat purrs at frequencies of about 27 hertz when I can hear her, but often I can only feel her purring below my ear's ability to detect it. Subaudible traces in a tiger's roar can be picked up by other animals' hearing and by scientific instruments, but humans are unaware of it even though some studies indicate we still instinctively respond to it unknowingly. One of these, the cat's purr, provides comfort, and one of these, the tiger's roar, prompts fear, even though we may not consciously hear either. Though I have not done in-depth research into Kleinberger's MIT voice studies, I suspect the human voice is capable of producing these ultrasonic and infrasonic vibrations to some degree, without our direct knowledge, perhaps carrying information about the wellness of our bodies that sophisticated instruments can detect and that we ourselves pick up on without our conscious awareness. Hiding your pregnancy from mom might not work as well as you think just by keeping it a secret. And when your mom says, I knew it, we chalk it up to women's intuition not to dismiss those other signals. All of these types of vibration are used to convey information and thus a form of communication humans use to connect to each other on varying levels to varying degrees. The rhythmic breathing of a mother co-sleeping with her infant communicates sympathetic breathing, reducing the instance of sudden infant death syndrome. The slow rhythmic heartbeat of our mate communicates comfort and companionship. And what about our neurons firing in our brain? Neurons are matter that transmits signals, but do not produce sound or vibrations that escape the cranium and therefore itself can't carry information about a human to another human in the room without our physical intervention or the aid of expensive technical equipment. However, it certainly could be said to contain information about our minds and bodies, and the amount to which they fire determines or is an indicator of our level of awakeness and awareness. We will talk more about it in the next episode of Genuine Human Connection. Besides the usual research and music credits I provide for each episode, I'd like to send a special thank you to my best friend and life partner, James Clay, who is a doctor of physics researching electromagnetic wave superconductivity. Any errors in my fact-checking can be sent to me via email. For personal and ethical reasons, I do not collect email lists. This is Lori Booth for the Genuine Human Connection podcast. More episodes can be found on music platforms everywhere or by visiting my website, lauriebooth.com. That's L-O-R-I-B-O-O-T-H.com. <laughs>